The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Think for a moment about the idea of inheritance. What belongs to one generation gets passed down to the next generation. Think about how we normally talk and think about inheritance. It often has to do with property, stuff, material things. So a house gets passed down from one generation to the next. Maybe some money, maybe some wealth, maybe some property, maybe some equipment, maybe some knickknacks, maybe some junk. It's passed down from one generation to the next. That's what we first think about, I think, when we consider what an inheritance is. But there's all kinds of other things that you inherit from one generation to the next that you get from your parents. So you get, especially around this time of year, you get customs, traditions that are handed down. Things that you've inherited from generations before you. Things that you eat for Christmas dinner. The way that you handle presents and gift giving kinds of songs that you sing, the kind of music that you listen to. You've inherited these customs and traditions, these patterns of life from generations before you. You also have inherited some genetics. I know this isn't often a pleasant thing to think about, but eventually you end up being just like your mom and your dad. I don't know if you know that. When you grow up, one day you turn into your parents, for better or for worse, right? Because you are made of the same stuff. You've got the same blood flowing in your veins. You've got the same genes, the same DNA. And so you turn out very much like your parents. You look like them. You act like them. It's an amazing thing. We don't always see it, but others can see the comparison, similarity. There's another thing that we inherit from our parents, and it is so often overlooked. 
neglected because it's dreadful. It's not something the world likes to think about or talk about, and it's this. We have inherited sin from our mothers and fathers. We've inherited sin down the generations all the way going back to Adam and Eve. We've inherited sin and death as well. It's quite an inheritance, isn't it? That's worse than all the junk you might receive that you think you didn't want. Death. Death is our inheritance. In one man, Adam, all men fell. When Adam and Eve sinned, when they ate from the fruit of the tree, we were cursed. A generational curse that goes on and on and on, and we never escape out from underneath it. Try as you might to change your life, to do better than what has been done before. Try as you might, you cannot escape it. Sin and death is our inheritance because we are born of flesh, which is corrupted. It's corrupted from the beginning. We know this. You know this. That being born into this world means that you're going to die. Lots of folks try to ignore that and look past it and not think about it until the last moment, but it's true. From the moment you take your first breath, that is one fewer breath that you have left to breathe. We have inherited from our parents and from Adam and Eve sin and death. Now hold that in your minds for a second. It's a dreadful thing, but it's essential that we get that picture clear here on Christmas morning as we then shift our focus to think about Jesus, the Son of God. Now he also is a child. What has he inherited from his heavenly Father? He inherited from his heavenly Father all authority in heaven and earth. He inherits from his heavenly Father life and immortality and light and goodness and righteousness and power and majesty and dominion. This was the great ruse that the devil tried to play on Jesus as he tempted him in the wilderness. Look, he says, the devil says, I'll give you all authority over all of these kingdoms. What a joke. It had already belonged to him. The Son of God. That's who Jesus is. The Son of God to whom belongs everything. In the heavens and the highest of heavens. Absolutely everything except for this. Death and sin. That's something that the Son of God did not receive from his heavenly Father. Where sin reigns in our flesh, perfect righteousness reigns in the Son of God. Where death brings a sudden and swift end to our lives, his life from his heavenly Father is eternal. That is why Christmas is such a marvelous thing. Really unbelievable. And we should never stop to wonder at it. It's worth pausing, slowing down, and thinking carefully about what Christmas means. Think about it in this way. You were born into this world, which means that you're going to die. Jesus was born into this world so that he could die. He was born into this world, born into flesh like yours and mine, because by nature... He would never die. As the very Son of God, He would live eternally. And yet, in order to save you and me, someone must die. The very Son of God Himself. And so, He takes on human flesh, being born precisely so that He could die. He did not have to. He didn't have to take on human flesh. He didn't have to empty himself. He didn't have to set aside his divine authority and suffer temptation of every kind and affliction of all sorts and worst of all, death on the cross. He didn't have to suffer the forsakenness of his father. 
being treated like a sinner. He didn't have to suffer all of that, and yet he did. That's why Christmas does not stand on its own. So many folks want to have Christmas as its own thing. Let's just have Christmas and think about the baby Jesus lying in a manger. But you cannot have Christmas without the backstory of our sin, our inheritance from Adam and Eve. You cannot have it without that backstory, or you cannot have it without the future, what is coming for that child in the manger. The point is this, that the light that John talks about, the light that comes with Jesus coming into the world, that light shines brighter and brighter and brighter so that it is, at the moment of his crucifixion, brightest of all. That's the moment that the light of Jesus shines, not just into our world, not just into our hearts, but even into death and the grave and hell itself. That's when the light of Jesus illuminates this world, brightens our darkness. It's like the sun blasting into the grave. The tombs are opened, and now what has been cold and dark and void is full of life. That's why Christmas matters so much. If it weren't for Christmas, the Son of God would not have died. If it weren't for Jesus taking on human flesh, tabernacling among us. That's why we read that lesson from Exodus. In the Old Testament, God dwelt with his people in this tent made with human hands, but now he dwells with us in our own flesh and blood in the person of Jesus. He has done that so that he could live and die for us. That's where darkness is overcome, on the cross of Jesus. That's where the world is remade. That's where you find your new birth. Because you see, it is no good for Jesus to take on human flesh and to die if it does not mean rescue and life for you. In his death on the cross, you find your new birth. A birth not of flesh and blood, but of the Spirit of God. A birth not of mortality and and corruption, but of immortality and incorruption. A birth that is not just waiting for the day to come when your life is over, but a birth into a life that lasts forever in perfect joy, perfect peace, perfect happiness in Christ. This is your birth. In the Son of God. This is what is given to you when Jesus comes in the flesh and lives and dies for you and then washes you. That's what Paul means when he writes to Titus and says that you have been born again, regenerated. Born again in this washing in Christ. So that everyone who believes in his name has life. His name which is above every name. His name to which belongs all glory and dominion and power. That name which has been put on you. This is the marvel of Christmas. That Jesus, the Son of God, to whom everything belongs in heaven and earth, has come to dwell among us and to give us everything that belongs to him. So that we can be just like him, sons of God. He has given us the right to be called children of God. Not something we could ever have claimed for ourselves, not something we could ever have hoped for. As far as we knew in our flesh, We were enemies of God. But he has taken us and made us not just friends, but children. Think about what that means. Think about how easily that goes wrong. The parable of the prodigal son is a great example of this. The prodigal son was the son of his father, and yet he acted as though he was not. He took his rights to be the son of his father, and he went away. And spent it all somewhere else, not recognizing that that was no freedom, but that was loss. That he was giving up the gifts that he had been given. Not you. 
Not so with you who have been called children of God. The right to call on your heavenly Father, just like Jesus spoke to him constantly. The right to be heard by your heavenly Father and answered by him with grace and love and blessing. Think about that. Your heavenly Father longs to hear your prayers and he delights in answering them. He loves more than anything to give you what is good, to bless you in his Son's name. So exercise your rights as children of God. Pray earnestly. Come again and again to be fed by your Heavenly Father. Just as a human father feeds his children, so also your Heavenly Father feeds you with the eternal flesh and blood of his own Son, which gives you life. He feeds you and nurtures you. He teaches you, trains you in wisdom by his word so that you can grow up into the fullness of Jesus. So that you can grow up Not remaining children, but maturing in wisdom and righteousness, just as Jesus matured in wisdom and stature. Your Heavenly Father treats you as children. Wear the robes of righteousness proudly and gladly, those robes that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Do not be afraid or anxious about anything. You have been called children of God. If God is your Father, then no one can harm you. Not even the devil himself, not death, not the grave, not even hell can hold a candle to the love that God has for you. Live as children of God and above all else, love as the children of God. This is what your inheritance looks like. It looks like the forgiveness of sins and salvation and eternal life and love so that you can act like sons of God, so that you can love your neighbors as you have been loved by God, so that you can dispense this love to the entire world, so that everyone around you can also hear and believe and see the goodness of God, to see that light that shone so brightly at Christmas morning and brighter and brighter until the crucifixion of Jesus. Love as the children of God. Love as though you have a Father who is going to give and will never stop giving. Love as he has loved It's a glorious thing. It's a glorious life that we have as children of God. It all begins here on this Christmas morning. Hold fast to this hope, to this joy. Never lose sight of what Christ has done for you. Being born to die so that you can live forever. To him alone be all glory now and forever. Amen.